Welcome to Landwards, the podcast for the land-based engineering community, brought to you by the Institution of Agricultural Engineers. So, good morning and welcome to the Landwards News podcast. It is Thursday the 25th of June and I am joined today by Marion King, um, who is the IAGRI Press and Communications Officer. Good morning, Marion. Good morning, Andy. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. How are you, Marion? I'm absolutely fine, thank you very much. Okay, well, I thought we'd start today um, having a look at um, at cereals. There's been quite a lot of uh, stories in the trade press last week and this week about the organisers claiming that it's been a resounding success and that they attracted over 10,000 visitors from all over the world. But I'm just wondering if this is a realistic um, if realistically it is as successful as people are saying um because surely you know online events are never never going to replace the success of something that's live just wonder what you think i think the thing is marion with with regard to that um we've got we've got a situation where circumstances conspired um very rapidly to mean that running face-to-face events was no longer an alternate was no longer an option for established long-running events which had dates in the diary so in the case of serials live um and also with with grassland and muck which was cancelled this year and there was a an alternative grassland set up by another organization at fairly short, short notice my take is that both of these and some of the other alternative online options like the DLG Feldtag, the DLG Field Days, which also have happened in a virtual basis, is they were the best possible thing which could be done with the content in the circumstances. Um, in terms of being a viable alternative to face-to-face and how realistic is it is for an online event to replace the success of a live event, I think it's a little bit like comparing fish and fowl. And what I mean by that is... Um, you're achieving different things um it's not the same in terms of face to face if it's a webinar based thing as per serials live yes there's opportunity for interaction but in a very structured way um and i think we all love seeing people and we sort of grudgingly accept zoom and go to meeting in our lives um as an alternative to face to face and yes it, it saves getting in a car yes it saves driving however um in comparison to um you know in comparison to being able to sit down face to face and talk about business talk about technical matters um we all take a lot of visual clues from what we see and how we interact with each other so i think it's it's probably um the best the organizers could do to deliver something for their audience and for their exhibitors um the flip side of that is as to whether it's a true truly viable alternative um in terms of value footfall business done very hard to quantify um, because in 2020 that was what you had to be able to deal with um i think you know talking to manufacturers who've taken part um you know there's been a lot of scratching heads about how do we make the most of the virtual event a lot of help from event organizers i hasten to add who have said you know who have made resources available who have made suggestions and so on and so forth um but the measurement of that success in comparison to the traditional method of a pad and writing down a contact and following them up later, um, it is difficult. You know, 
people support as a manufacturer, as a dealer, you support as an exhibitor, you support in order to fill your sales channel, you support to get leads to maintain and to build up relationships. Um, when the primary means of doing that has been taken away from you because of the lack of interaction or the stilted managed interaction which is available, it, it makes it very difficult. Um, and I think, again, because, you know, social distancing is reducing a little bit to a meter now, um, you know, I think working demos may be, may be able to come back. I mean, I'm speaking at a point where working demos aren't happening, but I think the possibility remains. Um, you know, and looking forward into the autumn, you know, to me, the challenge seems to be with exhibitions doing things face to face in buildings. You know, certainly, um, you know, there are events in the calendar outdoors like Tilly's Live, which is still on at the moment, um, which, which may be able to, to work within social distancing because it's outside. And the guidance says that theme parks can open. So if a theme park can open, I suspect a working machinery demonstration in a field um, is, is sort of broadly analogous in terms of people's public health perceptions. Right. Sorry. Rant over there, Marion. I think that, I think, you know, I mean, the other thing, you know, talking about video and online as well, you know, I know certain manufacturers have put a lot of resource, which they would have done in shows into developing video resources, some for the serials event, some for other things. Um, a video resource has a shelf life. If manufacturers can empower their dealers with effectively sales presentations and feature and benefit presentations, um, by means of webinars, by means of, of YouTube videos, those in turn can be shared with customers. Um, so, you know, these resources have been here forever. We've just chosen not to use them because we preferred face-to-face -face, or face-to-face -face was easier. Given that face-to-face -face has not been an option through spring and into summer now, um, we use the tools which are available. So it, it's a difficult call on whether virtual is better than face-to-face -face because virtual is the only alternative at the moment. Um, but there are tools there. And like any any form of marketing or any form of customer interface, you have to put the resource in and put the effort in and work out how you're going to get get the benefit out of it. Um, and I know some manufacturers, some brands, some dealers are doing better at this than others because they're more on the ball, have got better support, or are, or are looking in different directions. I think sitting there saying shows are over and you know weeping into your pint is probably the last possible alternative you should be pursuing above all was it was it um was it roosevelt who said above all do something um i may you'll you be able to come back and tell me that that quote's not quite correct but it's above all do something and i think in this situation it's above all do something and to the credit of certain event organizers that's what they've done right second rant over okay right um we'll leave that story now we'll move we'll move to scotland there's a story in a Scottish publication called The Press and Journal that farmers in Aberdeenshire are being sought to help train the next generation of farm workers by agreeing to become mentors for an industry-led training programme. Sounds like a wonderful idea and perhaps something that should be replicated in the rest of the UK. What do you think, Andy? I think it's a great idea. I think, you know, if you, if you look at um, anyone who's successful in life has usually had a lot of friends along the way. Um, and those friends, while maybe formally known as mentors, critical friends, um, knowing who to go to to get advice and taking advice and making good decisions are intimately linked. Um, so anything which helps formally approach the next generation of farm workers or anyone involved in agriculture um, 
to help develop their skill set to make good decisions um, is a very good thing. I think you know within within the institution we have a mentors program to help you on your professional journey, whether whether down the technician route or or the chartered engineer route or whatever. Um, and one of the things I found as a member of the institution in my thirty some years of membership. Um, or nearly 30 years of membership, is that I have found a group of critical friends who've chosen to help me, who've wanted to help me. And one of the great benefits of I Agree membership for me has been those mentors, whether formal or purely people who've taken an interest in my professional development and in myself. So to me, it's a great thing. Um, and I think anything which helps formalise and structurally help people on their journey in their career has got to be a good thing. There we go. Okay, thank you. Finally, um, we move on to something quite serious. There was an article in The Guardian and in some of the other farming publications that the UN is warning that the world's facing the worst food crisis for at least 50 years. Is this scaremongering, do you think, or do you think it's a realistic view of what actually might happen in the future? Um. I'm not sure whether it's scaremongering or not. I think we um, we have a responsibility as a society to keep looking what's on the horizon. Um, there's no doubt there's been a population in the world explosion. There's no doubt food security has become much more of an issue, especially through the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and I think that it's very easy to say, the, the glib phrase is, you know, ever since I was a lad, there has been a... a resource issue, a food scarcity issue, and a world growing population issue. However, um, the facts are that the population is growing. And, and I think the challenge, um, you know, it's entirely possible that there could be a, a food crisis. You know, we've had in the UK, in our little world, an awful autumn. So very few crops were planted. That's had a knock on into the spring. Then we had a drought, which kind of broke about four, three weeks ago. Um, which has limited the harvest potential this year, and that's in the UK. Um, fast forward that into Russia, you know, the breadbasket and various, various places globally where an awful lot of wheat is produced or an awful lot of food full stop. Um, and we have, we have weather-induced shocks, and we, you know, man-made climate change is, is probably no longer an after-dinner discussion, and the scientists amongst us will say it's happening, the evidence says it's happening, um, and so man-made climate change is happening, um, and that is knocking on to can we reliably produce food. You know, the challenge for us as, as engineers, if you like, is you know, and for society, wider than us as engineers, is to have flexible, sustainable systems of production and distribution. Um, you know, the statistics on on food waste post-harvest are massive. Um, we're not very good at, 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 you know, using what we've got. Um, so the challenge to, you know, look after society, if you like, is to make the best use of what we've got. And, and if climate change, well, not if, sorry, climate change is happening, but given that climate change is happening, um, you know, what we can do to mitigate it through our production and our distribution systems for, for the wider good of society. Um, and I think it's it's naive to just look at the horizon or not even look at the horizon and say, well, everything's fine this year. Because we've seen with the global pandemic how quickly um, a set of ro allegedly robust, stress-tested food distribution chains 
in the retail world, in, in, in dining out and in out-of-home out of food sales, I think that's a grocery term, we've seen how quickly that dissolved because no one went out. Um, and how quickly, on the one hand, dairy farmers who were supplying co creameries who supplied Costa Coffee were pour, pouring milk away, and simultaneously there not being enough milk on the supermarket shelves during the first few weeks of that. Um, you know, so that's a heck of a stress test. But that's the challenge, and that's our societal challenge, is, is if the population keeps growing, if the climate keeps changing, which it will do, and um, we have to keep producing an awful lot of food in a sustainable way by not eroding our natural resources, by maintaining and improving our natural resources from that wafer-thin layer of soil on a certain percentage of the world's surface, which is which is temperate and can grow crops, uh, and that's where we fit in as, as ag engineers. Sorry, I didn't realise that question was going to be was going to be an advert for agricultural engineering, Marion. I apologise, but I was just thinking the same thing. Actually, we need more agricultural engineers to well, solve yeah. it, it, it's the tools to do the job, isn't it? We're, we're, we're the people who who give the world the tools to to uh, you know have have sustainable food systems, um, and eco ecosystems as well. Um, so, you know, I think I think scaremongering on one hand, the cynic on me says, you know, that well, well, well read farming, farming newspaper, The Guardian, who are not known for being particularly friendly towards farming. Um, but equally, I don't really feel it is scaremongering. We, we have a responsibility to look on the horizon and work out what we can do about it. Um, yeah, there we go. That, okay. will, that will do for me. Thank you, Marion. Right. Thank you very much, Andy. Um, well, we hope today's iAgree news update has, has given you some food for thought. As ever, um, any views represented are those personally of Marion and myself, so feel free to, uh, to contact us and shout at us if you, if you disagree or indeed if you'd like to give us an opinion um, and put it in writing. We might consider printing it in Landwards, you never know. Um, anyway, that's all from myself, Andy Newbold, your host, and Marion King, your news editor. Thank you, Marion. Thank you, Andy. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'll do my best. You too. For more information, visit www.iagree.org. You have been listening to Landwards, the podcast for the land-based engineering community, brought to you by the Institution of Agricultural Engineers.